Welcome to the YA Cafe, where we share conversations about books for teachers, readers, and caffeine addicts everywhere. On today's episode, we'll be talking about Jack Hyde by Amy Ross. Grab a mug of your favorite beverage, friends, and let's talk books. This podcast is made possible by Nouvelle ELA Teaching Resources. Find secondary ELA resources to engage and inspire, like an intro to Shakespeare Escape Room. N-O-U-V-E-L-L-E-E-L-A. Something new. Welcome, y'all. As always, our first segment will be spoiler-free, so you can stick around even if you haven't checked out the new novel yet. I'm Amanda Thrasher. And I'm Danielle Hall, an 8th and ninth grade English teacher, and I blog at teachnouvelle.com. Amy Ross's novel, Jack Hyde, offers a new vision of the gothic novella, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, by Robert Louis Stevenson. In the Midwestern town of London, science and research loom large. Lulu and Jack have been best friends forever, but he's recently become distant, closing himself off in his lab. He's made a new friend, a bad boy, Hyde, who seems to push their usual parties out of control. Lulu's hearing strange rumors about Hyde, and she begins to worry for Jack's safety. Dot, dot, dot. And her own feelings. That was very good. Excellent ellipses. <laughs> so just a heads up for everybody going into this podcast. Uh, this book was written by a friend of mine. I think it's a great book and we really enjoyed it and wanted to talk about it but we also wanted to be upfront about it going in so people aren't like ah, nepotism and book reviews but <laughs> but we thought it was a great book so we wanted to talk about it reviewers talk just like that nepotism and book reviews just like that everyone knows it so the fact that this is set in the midwest is really interesting because you know we do have these stereotypes about the midwest and the sort of technological advances that happen or don't happen there and so I thought it was very interesting to hear about this town that's coming up, but also have the perspective of the looming corporation and how it contributes to the town and the town's economy, but, you know, like, also controls the town's people. I definitely agree. And I thought that it really played into sort of the many fantasy aspects of it, because for so many students reading this, this town would, in a lot of ways, be a fantasy. Like, their high school is extremely well-funded. People are very interested in science and math and, like, spend a lot of time really cultivating those skills. So for a lot of students, this really adds into the fantasy of who lives in this world. Uh, so I liked, I liked a lot with the omnipresent shadow of the research organization and how that impacted Jack. So Jack is obviously the Jack Hyde character. And so this is, of course, a retelling of the classic tale by Robert Louis Stevenson. So there's this feeling going into it, you know, like, we know what's going to happen, and how can we make this interesting? Because, like, so we've split this show into spoiler and not spoiler, but what is a spoiler with a retelling that everybody knows, right? Right. So if you're new to the show, we do have a spoiler section later. So right now, you can hang out with us even if you haven't read the book yet, but, like, even if you've never read The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you have some notion that these two halves are the same person. And I can tell you that as a person who has never read Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Have you read it? No, I haven't read it either. But we still have this this trope, you know, we have the Gollum Smeagol thing, which we'll come back to later. And we have a lot of instances of this in pop culture. So, Amanda, how did this book fulfill your expectations? So I think it did a really wonderful job of building this dark and sort of relationship between these characters, like even before you factor Hyde into the equation. Uh, it is clear that there is something unhealthy in the relationship between Lulu and Jack. Like, even though there's these trials, there are these childhood friends, um, there's clearly like places where Jack is willing to go, where Lulu is not. So yeah. 
it's introduced very early in the book that Jack um, creates these hallucinogenic drugs and tries them out on his classmates. Which is another one of those things that would only happen in this place that's surrounded by a research facility. You have that happening and Lulu is clearly not comfortable with it, but this is even before any of the Hyde characters starts to appear. And this is already something that's definitely informing their relationship and a kind of a dark way that Lulu doesn't love. But she's still there for him because she loves Jack. And that that having that push and pull to start with uh, really, I think, informed everything that happened later. Yeah, and the other push and pull that exists with these two characters is that Jack's family is wealthy and Lulu's family is not, right? And so, you know, not only is there this wealth component, but Jack is the smartest person in their class. He's at the top of the class. Um, and so Lulu kind of wonders at the beginning of the book if he's squandering his potential by creating these drugs. But he's also making a lot of money at it. Yeah, he's making a lot of money. He's being successful. And um, we can clearly see the influence of the corporation. Like, he has these ideas, and he gives them to his mother, who takes them to her work, which, you know, she works for the corporation. So Jack is simultaneously working with the corporation and also rebelling against it by doing these essentially illegal experiments. Well, they're not illegal, though, right? Like, that was his whole thing, because they're not... I'm not sure where the gray area was. They were in a gray area legally. He does have, like... Okay, so I found this to be a source of humor about the book, that he has consent forms that people sign when they show up at his parties. Um, So he has this whole clinical trial ambiance to his house parties, and he likes to say that he's the scientist in the situation, but he's also, like, our basic supplier, right? Yeah. No, I definitely think there's a lot of that there. And then that whole, like, the whole party scene was weird, and I think it's... I think it's really interesting that we see these things through Lulu's perspective because she's done this before and even though she doesn't love it, like she has played the role of taking notes. She's our DD, by the way. But but they're not driving. She's like the designated note taker. DNT. Like she goes around and asks people like, how are you feeling on this hallucinogenic drug? And it, it certainly, I think that was a really interesting thing because that has to happen with drugs, right? Like drugs don't just appear. Somebody does this and that's not something I'd ever thought about really. So skipping on to the Hyde character... Uh, What are your overall thoughts on him? So, you know, Hyde is traditionally the villain, and we're not supposed to love him, even from the get-go. But he appears early on in the novel as sort of this shady character of gossip. Like, we hear about him through whispers. And we don't come face-to-face with him for a long time. And we just hear about him. People talk about him. No two stories agree. Um, but I definitely liked this physical manifestation of of the tension that already existed between Jack and Lulu. How about you? What did you think, Amanda? Oh, I thought the Hyde character was um, really, he was really written definitely like in this very sexy way. Like he's clearly very magnetic. Uh, but what I really liked about it is that he was, he had this sort of magnetism and compelling character, but no one could say what he looked like. And I really liked that because I really like that just some form of attraction that's because of like his swagger, like the things that he says or things like that. But all the characters meeting him like couldn't even say what race he was, like how tall he was. They just had this vague impression of him, you know, this dark, interesting kind of person. Uh, And I, I really liked that. I thought it said a lot about like desire and 
hide, I think, for most people is like a manifestation of their desires, but what they don't want to admit that they want. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that people could not uh, like describe him later definitely informs that whole like, this is what you want, but you don't want to say that you want it. Uh, And that that comes back later. So do you think this is unreliable testimony? Like, do you think that they could articulate those things if they had wanted to? No, I don't think they could. Like, you heard the characters just struggling. Like, even those that didn't have the darker encounters with Hyde still struggle to say anything about him. Like, what race he was, how tall he was. These basic physical characteristics that you wouldn't think would be difficult. Like, they couldn't recall it. And I think that it wasn't that they didn't want to, that they actually couldn't. Yeah, so I think that this brings up an excellent opportunity to talk about the possibilities that exist in print that don't exist on screen. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, if we were watching this as a movie or as a TV show, and we love us some TV, but if we were watching this as a TV show, there would be an actor playing Hyde, and whether or not the characters could describe the actor, the audience would know for sure what he looked like. But as a reader, we don't know. And even, you know, eventually Lulu does encounter him, but she's the narrator. So we can't trust her. Right. (laughs) Because she's afflicted by the same desire. Not afflicted by desire. Afflicted. (laughs) But, like, she has the same problems and inability to articulate as everyone else does. And, you know, that's to be expected. And so we do have this whole, like, vampire thing going on, right? Like, there are no actual vampires. I mean, like... (laughs) To clarify. (laughs) In this dark, kind of sexy, but, you know, possibly illegal atmosphere. It's kind of the same thing as liking vampire books. Yeah, and so I also think that because Jack Hyde is, like, gothic Victorian literature... So I am not super well-versed in Gothic Victorian literature, but I feel like this translates really well to a modern sensibility of that aesthetic. Like, it wouldn't work to have Gothic Victorian literature in the same way. I think this is very much, like, the point of retelling. I think that this is updating the story, but keeping the spirit of it in a really interesting way. I definitely think so, too. And in her blurb on the book, Suzanne Young calls it a fresh take on a classic story about the good and evil that lives inside of us all intriguing and imaginative and it definitely is both of those things and with that friends we'll take our first break and when we come back we'll share about things we like a latte then we'll return to our discussion of jack hyde by amy ross and dig a little deeper Support for this podcast comes from Audible. Audible is offering listeners of the YA Cafe a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook to get you started. Y'all, I love audiobooks. I listen to them all the time, whether I am grocery shopping or in the car or on a walk with Padfoot. It's just one more way to get more books in my day. Check us out at audibletrial.com slash YA Cafe. Happy reading! Welcome back, y'all. It's time for Things We Like a Latte. Danielle, what's your brew of choice this week? My brew of choice this week is a book called Girls Made of Glass and Snow by Melissa Bashardust. And this book is inspired by Snow White, inspired by some Russian fairy tales. It's definitely got a fairy tale vibe, but it's less of a traditional retelling. And 
It's really cool because it is a double perspective book between Mina, who is our evil stepmother slash queen archetype, and Lynette, who is our princess archetype. And we actually have a split perspective between Mina's teenage self, which, you know, is in the past, I guess, and then Lynette's teenage self, which is our present. And so these two young women are finding their way together and building their understanding of the world and their relationship with each other. And it was just a really delightful read in terms of characterization and atmosphere and definitely a great choice for a classroom library. How about you, Amanda? Um, so Danielle and I are doing this challenge called Read the World, and we're trying to read a book from every country. Uh, so the book I just finished, I, I mean, I finished it about a week ago. Uh, it was from Angola, and it was called The Book of Chameleons by Jose Eduardo Agualusa, and it was wonderful. It was just delightfully weird and layered, and I'm really not sure how to describe it. Sort of a mystery, and a lot of really good characterization happens in very few words. Um, it's a short read. It's very fast-paced. I definitely recommend it if you're looking to dig into something with a lot of a lot of little pieces to pick apart, a lot of layers, but also very accessible all the same. So that was uh, The Book of Chameleons by Agualusa. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll return to our discussion on Jack Hyde by Amy Ross. The rest of the show may contain spoilers, so if you're leaving us here, please keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter at YA Cafe Podcast. We'll be back after this quick break. Welcome back, y'all, to the YA Cafe. We're continuing our discussion on Jack Hyde. And if you haven't read this yet, we want to warn you again that this segment will contain spoilers. Spoilers! And more drugs. <laughs> All right, so Amanda, you wanted to talk about this Jack being the nice guy thing that occurs in the book? Yeah. So this book actually came out before the whole Me Too movement that we're in the middle of right now. Uh, and I thought it was really interesting to read Lulu's um, reactions to hearing about all of these things that Jack is doing like Jack is you know funding these parties where Hyde is doing these terrible things or rumored to do these terrible things Uh, and even though Lulu already knows a lot about the darkness of Jack's character like she knows that he gives drugs to classmates and like she she has like a lot of insight about who Jack is and so she still looks at this and says oh no Jack would never do that and you see a lot of that with people I mean, I think it's lessening now that people are realizing that never looks good. <laughs> but you had a lot of people who were like, oh, no, I know this person. They're my friend and they would never do this. Like, so I thought that that was an interesting parallel. But also, you know, Lulu is a 17-year-old girl, so she gets a pass <laughs> this time. Yeah, and she's deeply loyal. And, you know, her loyalty stands in the way of her willingness to accept this truth about Jack's involvement with Hyde and You know, she has her own encounters with Hyde, and she is forced to come to terms with that quite quickly. So what did you think about those encounters? Um, I I don't think they played into the whole Me Too part of it. I think they played more into what we were talking about earlier. Uh, Because when we were talking earlier about how, like, Lulu has these desires that she does not want to voice, even to herself. And you see that in her narration, and when she has these interactions with Hyde, she still doesn't want to admit to herself how much she enjoyed it and things like that. Yeah, so I do want to jump in here and say that the book definitely deserves a trigger warning for dubious consent. Yes, 
And we referenced this in the spoiler-free section of the show, that there are these dark encounters with Hyde. And when we say that, we mean that, like, people, classmates, students who have taken these drugs, they have sexual, sometimes non-sexual um, encounters with Hyde, but, but they classify them as, like, whoa, I can't believe that happened at the party last weekend. And and so there's definitely a question of consent in terms that these are, like, minors who are impaired and cannot consent to what is happening. I mean, you, you say minors, but also remember, Hyde is a minor as well. Right. He is a minor as well. So that's that's good as far as the trigger warning goes. Yeah, that's in there. But it's also not ever the... Um, like, the narrator in those situations. Right. She doesn't take the drugs. So, like, I think that one of the things... Well, it's fair to bring it up. Like, it's definitely something that's in the atmosphere of the book. But it's not something that's really in your face. But you really want to talk more about Lulu and what you wanted from her. Yeah. So, at the end of the book, Lulu has the opportunity to explore her own hide and to consider for the first time what it would look like if she were able to bring this being into existence and what this darker Lulu would be and like it wouldn't have been a retelling at that point but I kind of just wanted that book like Lulu and Hyde or you know whatever that whole part of the book was really really read weird to me because the whole thing happened and you know like Jack committed suicide to kill Hyde and I was like this went poorly (laughs) like right like that was your model and it didn't go well so while I agree, I think that book would be really interesting. I thought it was a weird line of thought for Lulu to have after watching her best friend die. Right? I agree. I think this would have been cool as a gender swap retelling. But I don't think, like, with what we do know with the character of Lulu, I don't, I don't think she's the one who would chase that rabbit hole down to hide the way that Jack did, you know? Yeah. Like, so I think it would have been a very different book. I'm not sure if she would have, like, willingly gone forward even with that mindset that she had at the end. I don't think Lulu is a character who would have that sort of, like, interest in the beginning because she didn't even love the, the fun drugs that Jack took all the time. Uh, so it's hard to imagine why she would go for drastic personality swapping things. Yeah. So can we talk about Lulu's agency here? Because for the first part of the book, I felt like, you know, she understands that there's this mystery and she thinks she's chasing it. But, like, do you feel that she's chasing it as much as she could have chased it? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's also, it's very difficult to pull off, both as an author, as a reader, to suspend your disbelief, because you know what's happening. So it's hard for us to, like, understand, like, where Lulu would go, because we do have Jekyll and Hyde in our cultural consciousness. So we're reading this book, and we're like, oh, it's the same person. But, like, if your best friend starts acting weird, like, oh, it's the same person, (laughs) it's not a conclusion you'd ever jump to. So, yeah, I mean... I think that she was trying to unravel this mystery the best she could with the information that she had. Do you disagree? Do you think she should have done more? (sighs) You know, I just, I really feel like she dragged her feet in the beginning. And I think that part of my feeling comes from what you're talking about, where I know it's happening even before I ever open the book. And so it felt like, you know, she's walking down the dark stairs into the basement and I'm like what are you doing or or worse it feels like she's not walking down the dark stairs into the basement and I'm like clearly there's something in the basement you got to go check out the basement so so really she's never going to make you happy is what you're saying I guess that's true (laughs) I'm hard to please here so like what value do you think exists in this book like beyond a retelling and I'm not like what value do you see in this book like I'm asking like I always ask myself with retellings, like, what is the value of this retelling? How does this push the story further? Were you surprised at any point? 
That's my question. So having not read the original Jekyll and Hyde, but being aware of its presence in pop culture, obviously, um, I think that there was not a lot that surprised me. But I really liked the, the retelling. Like, I liked the juxtaposition of the dark atmosphere of the story with, like, the bright setting of the town. Yeah. Like, I thought that this was really interesting because you think about, like, new technology as being shiny white glass buildings. Like, all these kinds of... Like the Apple Store. Right. So, it's basically the Apple Store. <laughs> so, like, having having the ability to have, like, something this dark, and it feels like the whole book is laced with shadows... Being able to have that sort of atmosphere in this setting that's so, like, bright and you think about it as the future and all these things, I I think that it holds a lot of value because it shows there's still a lot of mysteries to human nature and a lot of darkness inside ourselves even as we turn the world into the Apple Store. (laughs) So so it's not going to go away just because we have, like, we've shined this light in a lot of dark places. We can never shine the light truly, fully inside ourselves. That's our show for today, friends. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at YA Cafe Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Happy reading!